0: This movie. Welcome back to WTM Watch This Movie. I am Eric Mulder.
1: My safe word is keep going.
0: Joining me once again is Brett, aka Mr. Positivity Wolfie T. What's up? Not much. It's been a while. It's been a minute. And this time it wasn't my fault. (laughs) It's been a couple fortnights. Hasn't really been we're doing that again. Are we were rehashing old bits. Yeah, <laughs> yeah a couple of fortnights. <laughs> we were probably talking about that around the time of Jingle All the Way. And it's Christmas time again, so I suppose we should
1: rehash Christmas jokes. We could do a Jingle All the Way redo, maybe. Maybe. I've been pushing our original Jingle All the Way episode on Twitter lately. <laughs> there you go. I, I've been pushing Jingle All the Way in general, but our, <laughs> our episode specifically. And at least one person, uh, Glenn from the Glenn Think Stuff podcast, uh, he uh, listened to it. He enjoyed our Arnold impersonations. Mm. He also uh, thought that uh, my theory about Jamie being <laughs> autistic was uh, hilarious but, quote, wrong, quote, end quote.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks uh, to Glenn for giving us a nice review
1: on uh, Apple podcast yeah i listen to the glenn thing stuff podcast i enjoy it it's just glenn kind of rambling to himself about current events mostly lately he's been giving updates on his doctor appointments <laughs> 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 to be honest it was a bit of a an acquired taste for me but like you know i i listened to a few episodes maybe a year or so ago and i didn't get into it but like this year i've been listening pretty consistently and Mm-hmm. He, he's a pretty funny dude. He's got a southern accent, talks a little slow, but uh he has got a pretty good uh pretty good wit to him. So, that's good. I would recommend it. Thanks uh as Eric said thank you Glenn if you're listening to this for the review. And I'm glad you enjoyed our Jingle All The Way episode. Even though he said he didn't like the movie, mm. he says he prefers Jingle All The Way too, which we don't even talk about <laughs> around here. We don't it's a WWE film starring Larry the Cable Guy.
0: It's funny. I thought when you said you were going to get when you got some interaction on Twitter about regarding Jingle All The Way, I thought it was going to be the vanessa Nader.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is like my favorite time of the year to follow her. She does all the Jingle All The Way clips around this time of the year. Yeah. I quit following her. Did you? What, yeah. uh, you don't like all the Arnold clips? I don't know. It just got annoying. I disagree. <laughs> not
0: just all the clips, but um, I don't know. It just seemed like, like
1: her Taco Bell tweets.
0: Yeah, it's she got that. And it seems like she lives in a dungeon and doesn't get out much. Even though You know, she, it's the opposite of that. But well, you got to
1: look at her fleets. Her fleets are pictures from outside the apartment. Oh, really? Yeah, I was surprised as you are. Half she, of them are at Taco Bell, but there's some that are not. So she's living on fleet? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, nobody looks at my fleets, so I don't know how many people are looking at hers, but uh, once in a while, I'll go through the fleets at the top of the Twitter page. Have you tried fleeting yet?
0: No. No. They been up for 24 hours. Except for, uh, like, when I logged in Twitter the other day, I don't think my Wi-Fi was working. So it says, uh, your fleets aren't loading. Like, the... <laughs> On your home page, so I don't know.
1: It's just like you can load a uh, like a picture or a video, or you can write text or something, and it'll stay up for twenty four hours, and then it's just gone. Mm. And then it just kind of rolls through all the all the people that you follow, all their fleets. It'll just roll through till the end. Mm. But, oh, it's
0: kind of like uh, there's a thing on Facebook that's kind of like that.
1: Yeah, I heard that it's a rip-off of Instagram, and the Instagrams was a rip-off of Snapchat, and now they're all the same. I see.
0: All right, well, let's get into some recently seen movies. Uh, we're going to delay our episode on Death Proof until after the new year. That way we can fit in uh, Home Alone 2
1: next week. we got to do a one-Christmas movie. It's yep. obligatory. Yeah just a lot of stuff
0: going on this month. Uh, so I figured, Hey, let's push death proof. Since we promised it, we got to do that. So we'll do that in January and we should be able to do a lot of episodes in uh, January and early February. Cause I'll be uh, have a, i will be uh have a lot of free time. So we should be able to pump some episodes out. No. Yeah. And uh, this week I completed the movie challenge for beyond the mat a wrestling documentary available on Netflix.
1: I think it's so, only on there till the end of the month because that's what it yep. said when I turned it on. December 31st. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. I'm sure it'll pop up somewhere else. Yeah.
0: So, uh, yeah, we'll have you start first.
1: What did you see, Clarice? What did you see? I watched a 2020 film, brand new. Mm. Thanks to our friends at the Amish Baby Machine Pop Culture Podcast.
0: Local I want a podcast.
1: I won a contest, yes, local Minnesota podcast, Amish Baby Machine, and uh, they had a a giveaway of digital copies of the movie Fat Man, Hmm. and I won one, and so I watched it, and I'm going to review it on today's podcast. Was
0: this a rental you got, or you get to own it now?
1: It was a own... uh, Hmm. Unfortunately, the only options of where to watch it were Apple TV, Vudu, or Fandango, whatever Fandango's thing is. So I got it on Vudu because I had to set up an account for that to watch. (laughs) (laughs) Your favorite thing. But it was on my Roku, so I I did that so I could watch it on my big screen. My brand new 65-inch 4K big screen. There you go anyways, once again, thank you, Amish Baby Machine, uh, for that. Uh, Fat Man stars Mel Gibson, Walton Goggins, Marianne Jean-Baptiste, and Chance Hurstfield. And it's directed by Esham Nelms and Ian Nelms. The Nelms Brothers. (laughs) They also wrote it. The synopsis is, a rowdy, unorthodox Santa Claus is fighting to save his declining business. Meanwhile, Billy, a neglected and precocious 12-year-old, hires a hitman to kill Santa after receiving a lump of coal in his stocking. Now, they promote this as an action comedy, and there's really very little action in this movie. It's more of a drama, a little bit of a thriller but mostly drama, I think. There are comedic elements in there, but it's more of a, like a kind of a dark, subtle humor versus like a laugh out loud type of thing. Billy, the child, lives in Minnesota. Oh, yeah? So, Minnesota connection. There you go. And uh, Walton Goggins, the hitman, drives a car with a Minnesota license plate. So he also is from Minnesota. Sure, everything was filmed in Vancouver. <laughs> it just pisses me off, I think uh I read in the trivia that there's one scene where there's a sign that says they're in Ontario, so it's probably Toronto around Toronto, hmm. yeah, so like I said, not a lot of action they kind of they spend a lot of the time kind of building the kind of the backstory of you know everybody's motivations and things like that, and then there's very little. Uh, time at the end where they have kind of a, a standoff between Santa Claus and, and the Hitman. <clears throat> hit but I thought Mel Gibson was really good as a very serious Santa Claus. He's uh, a businessman, like it says in the synopsis. He's subsidized by the U.S. government. <laughs> and uh, the nice list has declined in recent years. So his subsidy from the government has also declined. And so he agrees to a contract with the U.S. military to allow them use of his uh, factory and elves post-Christmas, which really doesn't, I don't, it doesn't really add a lot to the story, to be honest, uh, that portion of it. Uh, meanwhile, Billy is a very spoiled brat, who lives in a uh, big house with his grandmother and their many servants. And he always gets what he wants, except for his dad is somewhere, absentee father. No word on what his mother's doing, but his father is somewhere with his girlfriend, allegedly. So uh, Billy has a connection with Walton Goggins' character, who is a gun for hire who also has a vendetta against Santa Claus after he was slighted as a child. And so, you know, they spend time showing how they're connected and establishing that Billy uh, gets what he wants and Walton Goggins is a ruthless killer who, uh, you know, has no qualms about, you know, taking these types of jobs. And, And then they spend like a third of the movie showing Walton Goggins getting to the North Pole or to Santa's home. But yeah, like I said, Walt, Walton Goggins was great. Mel Gibson was great. It's just the story didn't really live up to expectations, I think. Um, and that they spent so much time. It's kind of like Jason Takes Manhattan. You know, yeah. where like they just they just never get there. Like you're just waiting for this confrontation and this action and it just doesn't get there. So I think in theory, it was a a pretty good idea. It seems like there's potential for sequels. I don't know if there will be. I don't know if that's a spoiler, but uh, I think potential sequels um, could be better because they've already established the characters and uh, kind of the motivations and they can get more into it. But uh, as far as Fat Man, I thought that... Uh, it didn't really live up to its potential. Um, it's a decent enough movie. It's a bit of a slow burn, but uh, I think it's just a WTM last resort. It's a last resort.
0: All right. I watched a film from 2005, The Squid and the Whale. Oof. Mm-hmm. I've seen that one. And now I can say I finally have seen a movie by Noah Baumbach... They liked. Well, actually, I should take that back. He did Marriage Story, right? Yeah, I I enjoyed that, you know, as one could enjoy that type of movie, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) So I did like Marriage Story, but um, yeah, because I remember the first film I saw of his was Greenberg. I thought Greenberg just sucked ass. It was just terrible.
1: I've not seen that one. I've seen Squid and the Whale, and I've seen Marriage Story. I cannot name another Noah Bombach movie that I've seen, though.
0: The, the Squid and the Whale is also only an hour and 21 minutes, full runtime. This is a quick watch. I remember it feeling longer. <laughs> <laughs> it is pretty heavy, I guess. Uh, as I said, uh, directed and written by Noah Bombach, starring Jeff Daniels, Laura Linney, Jesse Eisenberg, Owen Klein. William Baldwin, David Banger, Anna Paquin. Uh, I think that'll do it for the cast. Synopsis, Squid and the Whale follows two young boys dealing with their parents' divorce in Brooklyn in the 1980s. So it's an 80s set film, so it's already got a point right there. It's one point. <laughs> and, uh, good performances provided with many, many more points. I like this movie a hell of a lot. It was, the performances were great. As you kind of alluded to with your reaction, oof. It is a <laughs> it is a heavy drama. It's, you know, it's depressing. It's the, you get to watch a family, you know, break apart.
1: So it's kind of
0: like marriage story, <laughs> I guess.
1: <laughs> I guess he's got a type. <laughs>
0: yeah. I mean, there's some comedic parts here and there. But uh, yeah, that's a lot of heavy drama. Performances are spectacular. Uh, I've kind of expected as much from, I guess, a lot of the Jeff Daniels movies I've been watching lately. You know, the did more you watch
1: of, did you see Jeff Daniels on Impractical Jokers playing Who Did the Fart? No, I didn't. I've never even watched an episode of Impractical Jokers.
0: So so the movie came was, out, I'm like, eh. Not that I, I know, it, Impractical Jokes. You don't need to watch a show to get what her practical jokes are, I guess.
1: I know it's practical, but... You know, well, the, I don't know. The movie's probably a last resort, but the TV shows, you know, I, I guess if you like that type of humor, it's good. But the uh, it's a hidden camera show and they have the, the four guys and they kind of challenge each other to do things, but uh there was uh, one time they had Jeff Daniels on and they would have the one of the jokers, and then just a regular person, and they're like being assistants for like a photo shoot or an interview or something that Jeff Daniels was doing. And the Joker would, uh, they, they set off a fart machine and then spray some stink spray. And he would the challenge was to get the other person to admit in front of Jeff Daniels that they're the one that did the fart. And so Jeff Daniels, his role in the the thing, would he'd come in and he'd smell it. And then he would confront them about who did the fart.
0: <laughs> Award-winning stuff, I, I, I'm i sure. But yeah, this uh, was a great film. Uh, I loved it. It kind of goes through the history of the relationship between Jeff Daniels and Laura Linney's character and their family. And um, yeah, I thought it was a great picture at the um, family disintegrating, so... <laughs> I will give it to WTM soonish.
1: Soonish. I don't know if I'd agree with that, but it's been a while since I've seen that movie. I remember you telling me you really liked it. I really don't remember what I thought of it, <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. I just remember it was horribly depressing. <laughs> it was crushing. Uh, my next movie is uh not depressing it's actually quite fun it's from 1996 and it's called the long kiss Goodnight. night ah, you seen I, this? Have I, you heard no, about this I've not seen it it's uh, directed by Rennie Harlan and written by <laughs> Shane black was he still married
0: to Gina Davis at the time
1: well, I hope so because she stars in it
0: because I think they got divorced in the mid 90s So I don't know, maybe that movie was the final one they did. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I looked at Renny Harwin's filmography, and there's some uh, hits and misses in there. Because he did Cutthroat Island as well, right? And that's what made yeah. Hollywood say, you can't do movies anymore. I think this one came out after Cutthroat Island, though. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it did. Which, uh, maybe that's why it doesn't get talked about. I've heard some other podcasts cover it, cover it recently over the last couple of years. But like before that, I never heard about it. Like, I kind of remember when it came out, but, like, nobody ever talked about it.
0: I'm guessing this was made during post-production of Cutthroat Island. <laughs> so it's, like, before it <laughs> flopped. <laughs>
1: yeah, here you go. Well, yeah, just use your wife again, and then you hear Samuel L. Jackson. And... Well, I saw that Rennie Harlan, I think it uh, was a, one of his first, if not his first feature film, was The Adventures of Ford Fairlane, which is a, a yep. great movie. I rewatched apparently- that
0: a month or two ago.
1: It's apparently out of print on Blu ray and DVD because all the ones that I saw are like 100 bucks.
0: I have it on DVD.
1: <laughs> Unbelievable. I'm jelly. I'm soups jelly. <laughs> Anyways, The Long Kiss Night stars Gina Davis, Samuel L. Jackson, Yvonne Zima, Craig Bierko, Tom Amandez, Brian Cox, uh, Patrick Malahide, David Morse, Joseph McKenna, uh, Melina Canna-Caredes. I feel like there was more big names in there, but that's probably good enough. Synopsis is, Samantha Kane lives in a small town with her daughter. Eight years ago, she emerged two months pregnant from a nearby river with no memory of her past or who she is. However, she is, getting closer to finding out about her past. This movie was a ton of fun. If you like Shane Black's writing, like this is definitely a Shane Black script. Uh, the, you know witty dialogue, mm-hmm. just off-the-cuff jokes and and there's a ton of over-the-top action. Gina Davis is pretty good. Samuel Jackson is fantastic. Brian Cox is super over-the-top, but he's fucking great and uh you know tons of explosions gunfights uh there's a you know it's a you know amnesia amnesiac remembering her past type of movie kind of uh so gina davis is a you know she's a housewife as i said was uh lost all her memory eight years ago and uh things start picking up and she starts remembering who she is. She shares Samuel Jackson as a private investigator to help her. And uh, they start uncovering things that, uh, you know, are, she had a pretty interesting life before her. Uh, she lost her memory. And so they kind of go to research it and things just escalate exponentially throughout the film. And there's a, huge climax and just a shit ton of fun set at christmas so you can consider it a christmas movie uh so now would be a good time to watch it except for i think it's been removed from all streaming services mm. so um but i really enjoyed it i'm a little like undecided. the sands of yesteryear gone
0: from this earth
1: <laughs> a little undecided you know it, christmas it's the same thing as like at halloween like all the major horror movies in october get taken off the streaming service so you have to pay to rent them yeah same thing with the christmas movies but uh yeah i would definitely recommend the long kiss goodnight it's i really really liked it but i think i'm gonna go with an eventually okay it's borderline soonish but i'm gonna go with eventually eventually
0: all right, and in case you were wondering, so Cutthroat Island came out December twenty second, ninety five. Made just over ten million worldwide gross on a ninety eight million dollar budget. So basically, two hundred million dollars cost if you you know account for advertising and whatnot. And then uh, Long Kiss Goodnight came out in October, the following October. So I wonder, I know that Long Kiss Goodnight was already greenlit before. Cutthroat Island came out, of course, but I wonder how far along production they were. Yeah, they were divorced, uh, Harlan and Davis, officially in uh, 98, but I'm sure they were separated. It was actually right after The Long Kiss Goodnight. So, yeah. The next movie I'm going to talk about is from 2019, Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw.
1: There you go. I don't even like the Fast and the Furious, and I saw that one in the theater. <laughs> well, that's because you're an A-lister. <laughs> but this is true. It was a full theater, too. That was uh, one of the few times where I went on a packed theater Yeah. to see a movie.
0: Well, what are they going to do, ruin the movie for you? A <laughs> Fast and Furious movie? <laughs> the audience would not shut up. I couldn't hear what they were talking about.
1: When they grabbed onto that chain and pulled the helicopter down. I, mean, I just I couldn't concentrate. I think it was because I missed something earlier in the film when people, people were talking. Were,
0: people were hooting and hollering. I think there was a revelation or
1: an exposition, a paragraph of an exposition that explained that uh, Hobbes Hobbs has superhuman strength. <laughs> it was probably when they're running down the side of that building really fast. <laughs> Uh
0: is directed by David Leach, stars Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Jason Statham, Idris Elba, Vanessa Kirby, Helen Mirren, Isaac Gonzalez, Eddie Marzen, Cliff Curtis, Roman Reigns. Uh, how do you pronounce his name? Joe Anoy?
1: Anoy? Anoy? Roman Anoy. <laughs> yeah. He's the tribal chief. He's the head of the table. <laughs> I wonder if I even
0: recognize it at the time.
1: I don't think he talks during the movie, but
0: uh Yeah, because I was I saw that now and I'm like, well, I can understand him being in there, but I don't think I remember
1: him being in it. But <laughs> he stands next to the rock with his shirt off for a few scenes <laughs> when they're in Samoa. <laughs> Yeah.
0: All right. Uh, Synopsis. Lawman Luke Hobbs and outcast Deckard Shaw form an unlikely alliance when a cyber genetically enhanced villain threatens the future of humanity. So this cyber genetically enhanced villain is played by Idris Elba. And he just has gadgets and like smart blood and shit up the wazoo. He can just do whatever he wants, basically. And so they need one of the greatest cops and one of the greatest villains to come together. It doesn't matter that the villains killed many people over the years and stolen lots of money. (laughs) They just need him to help the good guys in this one.
1: They didn't know that backstory, but I don't think it matters.
0: Well, I'm not uh, an expert on Fast and Furious lore either. Right. But I know he's been like an antagonist and let's see, I've seen... What's the one that's going to come out soon,
1: 9 or 10? I think it's 9, and then I think they're going to do two more after that. Because I saw the last
0: two, I think. And uh, because they, these two fought each other in the last Fast and Furious. And maybe even the one before that, I'm not sure. But no that uh, Jason Statham has been a villain for a couple of them and the villains killed people. So <laughs> they've always killed people. This in the past. Um, oops. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, it says typical fast and furious action over the top, ridiculous CGI action. Um, they even go to American Samoa, as you uh, talked about at one point with uh, even more jaw dropping over the top action ensues there where they're going to get like one tribe from Samoa to just take on like an army of people with like actual weapons, but just like island island shit. Yeah, they don't <laughs> even have guns
1: in Samoa because mm-hmm. mama sold them all or whatever. <laughs> Um, you know, a lot of car
0: chases and whatnot. This is one this is the spin-off movie that led to some bad blood between uh, the Fast and Furious cast members, specifically Tyrese and The Rock and Vin Diesel. But all the beasts have been squashed just in time to make nine and ten.
1: And then you throw John Cena in there. You know. <laughs> That's right. He's coming in the next one, isn't he? He looks so weird with his hair growing out, and it's <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird too because he looks like he dropped about twenty pounds, but he's still jacked. And it, but he's old now, and it's I don't know, he just looks funny.
0: Yeah, these uh, first two movies I've talked about. It's been a while since I've watched them because I haven't watched new movies recently. So I had to pull from other stuff I haven't used in past episodes. So I'm not too fresh on the overall storyline, but. Um, you know, it's a Fast and Furious movie, and it's not even the Fast and even the, like the hard, most hardcore fans wouldn't tell you this is the best one. And it's not the worst one either. It's it's pretty much par for the course for Fast and Furious. Uh, it was entertaining uh, for the most part. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of a lot of CGI stuff, but you know, it was fine. Mm-hmm. There's definitely some chemistry between Statham and The Rock. But uh, nothing I would probably revisit. So I will have to give this a last resort. It's a last resort. If it's on TV, you might stop by yeah. for 20 minutes, but, you know.
1: I think I gave it an eventually. I can tell you from my experience, you don't have to see the other Fast and the Furiouses <laughs> to enjoy this one. Yeah. It's very kind of old school action. They go all around the world in I, I, I bet they do uh the last movie i'm going to talk about from 1992 a league of their own Ooh, i've never seen this before directed by penny marshall
0: you see tom- the grass
1: girls don't eat it <laughs> <laughs> i didn't realize john lovitz was in here but he's hilarious i wish he was <laughs> he in sure here is. more uh, stars tom hanks gina davis Lori Petty, Madonna, Rosie O'Donnell, Megan Kavanaugh, uh, Tracy Reiner, Biddy Scram, Ann Cusack, Ann Ramsey, Freddie Simpson, Renee Coleman, Gary Marshall's in there, David Strathairn, John Lovitz, Bill Pullman, Eddie Jones anyways the synopsis is two sisters join the first female professional baseball league and struggle to help it succeed amidst their own growing rivalry so yeah I didn't expect much of this it doesn't seem like something that I would usually watch but uh, it was pretty enjoyable it was uh, you know pretty entertaining throughout um, kept my interest was uh, At its funny moments, Tom Hanks is kind of the villain, which is kind of a different role for him, uh, although he somehow turns himself into the the hero by the end. It's kind of funny seeing him yell at women and children, though. <laughs> you mentioned the, John Lovitz. John Lovitz was hilarious. Um, when the
0: kid gets hit with the baseball
1: mitt, I lose my shit every time. <laughs> That's one of the best scenes. Just <laughs> get that fucking kid out of here. Uh, it's an interesting story, you know, of the uh, female baseball league that they, they started up during world war II while the uh, major league baseball players were over fighting in the war. Um, and kind of the struggles they had to go to or go through as far as being taken seriously as athletes, Versus just being eye candy or, uh, you know, something to look at. They had the, uh, you know, the relationship between Gina Davis and Laura Petty's uh, characters who are sisters. And the older sister gets all the attention and all the love. And the younger sister is kind of jealous and uh, resentful of it. and, And I thought they did a good job with that. yeah, I can see why people really like this movie. Uh, I went in, like I said, going in without too much of expectation, you know, thinking that I probably wouldn't like it, and I liked it. It was uh, was quite a bit of fun, so I would recommend a league of their own as a WTO eventually. Eventually.
0: Yeah, I used to watch that a lot growing up. It's not amazing, but yeah, it's a solid, solid watch.
1: Yeah, it's uh, kind of that old school. Like Penny Marshall obviously directed it, but it's kind of that old school, just solid. Not quite a drama, not quite a comedy, but mm-hmm. got aspects of both and
0: comedy uh, with heart.
1: Yeah, it's just a good movie.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and an interesting story. All right. Well, I completed the movie challenge for Beyond the Mat came out in 1999 and is directed by barry w blosting and stars pretty much everyone in wrestling at the time and before so we got terry funk mcfoley jake the snake roberts fitzman jim ross jim bell darren draws Drozd, uh Drozdove, michael modest china Heisen, james ware jesse ventura jesse the mind
1: ventura (laughs) i'm just a big (laughs) softy for certain people
0: uh synopsis a heartfelt documentary focusing on focusing on the day-to-day lives of professional wrestlers some on the rise some on the wane and others fighting for their lives I'd heard about this uh, documentary for quite a while. i uh, never seen it, but I always heard great things about it. Uh, and I'm not the biggest wrestling fan. There, there was a couple of year years span in my life where I watched it when I was a kid. Hmm. From about late 90s to about I mean, 2000 maybe or 2001.
1: That's when everybody watched it.
0: Yeah, I guess. But I remember even watching like some WCW and it wasn't just
1: yeah, you know, like- WWF. From uh, like WCW got really big in like 96, middle of 96 when the NWO started. Mm -hmm. And then they're both kind of big, kind of through 97. And then 98, WWF kind of took over. And then uh, WCW lasted until 2001, but their last few years were kind of shitty. And then ECW was always kind of there, but they didn't really break out uh, on a national level until like 98,
0: 99. Yeah. I remember being in, uh, stores and seeing, they almost looked like bootleg copies of ECW stuff. Cause like the covers were kind of crappy and like the production value and was like ECW, like, you know, like the picture would always be like some like barbed wire match or something like yeah. that, like on the cover. I was always like bloody and I was like, ooh, this, you know, this is naughty to have this. This is right. dangerous. But, um, yeah, I while not being the biggest wrestling fan, I do find it fascinating, all the behind-the-scenes stuff. And there was a lot of that in here, of course. A lot of great insight to a lot of the older uh, wrestlers. They didn't really talk about uh, Ultimate Warrior, which I, was, I wish they kind of talked about him. I mean, there was plenty of people they didn't, they can't talk about all of them in two hours. You right. Because they didn't really talk about Hogan. They didn't talk about uh, Million Dollar Man, Ric Flair, none of that. But
1: the people that well, they, they did focus
0: on was a lot yeah, of fun. Very they didn't really.
1: Yeah, they didn't really do anything with WCW. It was mostly WWF and then a couple of ECW guys. So, like, Warrior. Ultimate Warrior was kind of out of wrestling during that time. He, he did a couple months in WCW in 98. Um, And then Hogan and Flair and Ted DiBiase were all in WCW. So like if everything in the movie was non WCW guys, that would explain why he didn't, you know, cover any of them, but Mm -hmm. um, he also did some, uh, you know, he, he, Went to a couple independent things, like they had uh, uh, the two guys from the California school that got the tryout yep. at the, the WWF, and then he was following Jake around Nebraska, Jake Roberts,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, and Coco Beware was there, and a couple other old-timers trying to make a buck.
0: Yeah, they mainly focused on Terry Funk, Mick and Jake Roberts. And uh, Terry Funk's story was fascinating. You know, it's the amount of damage wrestling can do to a person's body. And especially Mick because he probably took the most punishment of anyone. <laughs> Although he did it in a time when it was, I guess, a little better safety standards. But seems like, you know, he had oh, no. kind of a disregard for his own body.
1: Oh, you know? oh no, not, not, a, not better safety standards. Well, than the no. 80s, right? Well, not what this stuff Mick Foley was doing. No okay. way. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, Jake Roberts, his
0: story is dark.
1: Yeah, Jake Roberts' it's story rough. from this is uh, a lot of what inspired the movie The Wrestler.
0: Okay, that's what I was going to uh, mention next. This, his story just reminded me of The Wrestler. Yeah. But I know you didn't like that movie. Um I liked it a lot. But um so yeah, I was wondering how much of that was actually inspired for him because I was, well, it's the same storyline.
1: <laughs> it really is. It's him trying to reconnect with his daughter mm-hmm. that has been estranged because of his you know, demons on the road and his drug problems, drug problems and health problems. You, you know, get he CMP in a bucket. And he's not
0: not big anymore.
1: Yeah. You get CMP in a bucket in a in the mezzanine. <laughs>
0: uh, see, I don't want to get into too much spoilery stuff until we get into spoilers. But um also mentioned Bits McMahon. It's kind of cool seeing him behind the scenes. Yeah. And uh, I saw. I was telling you about this a while back. But this was. Earlier on in the, the quarantine era, I guess. This is probably around May or so. And I was watching some sort of it was like behind the scenes stuff from the last few WrestleManias. And there's just a lot of behind the scenes stuff. And I found that stuff so fascinating. So I remember asking you, it was uh maybe it was two years ago when I forget which title Brock Lesnar got or retained from beating Roman Reigns. Oh yeah. Um, And then it shows him, you know, walking uh, out out of the arena to backstage and Vince McMahon sitting uh behind like a table. Brock walks in, just immediately just hucks the belt at Vince McMahon (laughs) and just keeps on walking, doesn't say a fucking word. I was just like he like and like McMahon kind of gives him a look, but like it. You know, they weren't cameras there, like, to get close-ups, to, like, see what he's saying. But I was just like, so did they just fucking hate each other? Or is, do they have, like, a love-hate relationship? Or is it just kind of rocky sometimes between
1: the two? Well, I, in, the pa- <laughs> in the past it was because, you know, Brock left in uh, 2004, kind of at, before his peak, really. And then uh, since he came back, like, he's had a sweetheart of a deal yeah he's like the by far the highest paid guy, but he only works part- time. like he only wrestles maybe I don't know six to ten matches a year, maybe. Mm-hmm. But I think what happened at that one was they're originally gonna have Roman win the title, and then for whatever reason, after they got in the ring, Vince said, well Brock's gonna win. And so I don't know if Brock was pissed because, like, he was going to go on vacation or something. Like, it did not matter. Like, <laughs> it doesn't matter that he's got the belt, you know. Like, he'll just come in whatever they need him to do his matches, whether he has the title or not. But I don't know if he was pissed about something that happened or pissed about the switch of the, the finish or or what happened. But uh, it was funny because in that match, too, like, he he legitimately sliced open Roman's forehead you know he was dropping elbows on him because he learned how to cut people with elbows in MMA and uh (laughs) WWE doesn't let you blade anymore so yeah like (laughs) he cut him pretty fucking bad and then uh you know they finished and yeah I don't know he was pissed about something and (laughs) just remember I don't I don't know if I actually saw the whole you know that whole documentary WWE's been doing a lot of the behind the scenes documentaries like that recently, but so I don't know if they explained it beyond that, or if they were just like, Well, here's Brock throwing the fucking belt in Vince's face, and we don't know why. We we he won't talk to us, so we don't know why yeah. he did it.
0: Because these other documentaries were kind of focusing on uh um some of the one or two of the divas, I forget which ones, and then which wrestler? It was a wrestler that was like married to one of the divas. I forget, but oh, like
1: Daniel Bryan or somebody.
0: Yeah, who's he married to again?
1: Uh, Brie Bella.
0: Yep. Yeah, it was kind of focusing on those two.
1: Yeah, I, but I think uh, that was, was that his that might have been his first one back after coming back from retirement. So that would make sense. But yeah, that's like
0: that kind of stuff just. Because that's, you know, when wrestling's real, it's behind the scenes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Like I said, WWE's doing a lot more of that stuff on their own now. Like, they're just, like, they don't even pretend like it's real anymore. Like, it's, like, it's just everybody knows that it's, you know, what it is. So, with the WWE Network, there's a lot more of those behind-the-scenes documentaries. And then they have all their reality shows like Total Divas and Total Bellas and Ms. and Mrs. Mm-hmm. Although I think those are, you know, standard scripted reality, semi scripted reality shows. But they're, you know, they're pretty interesting if you get into them.
0: Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I would definitely recommend uh, everyone watch this, even if you don't really, if you're not a big fan of wrestling, because the stories, you know, behind the wrestlers are pretty fascinating. And uh, I will give this a WTM soonish. Soonish. There you go.
1: It's like an hour and forty minutes, basically. So it's a decent watch. Yeah, it seemed it seemed shorter than what I remembered. It's been a long time since I'd seen it, but like as a kid, it seemed much longer. Like there was much more in there. But like I remembered pretty much everything that happened in the documentary. It's just, it's like, damn, they crammed all this stuff in an hour and forty minutes because there's a lot of stuff in there yeah all right well this is a challenge
0: to challenge you to watch a movie i told you i'm giving you a break from bond for a while yeah especially since uh, no time to die might not even come out for it might be five more years till that fucker comes out so you got time <laughs> it's not a warner brothers one is it um no i don't think so. But I figure which studio is really doing it, you know, since MGM doesn't have much money. But um,
1: we do. We got to say real quick, RIP to...
0: Yeah. Too bad uh, Tiny Lister left this planet all too soon. Yeah. 62, 63?
1: 62, I think, is what I saw. That's pretty young. It was COVID, too. COVID-related, at least. Was it? I didn't see cause of death, but damn, that COVID's taken everybody. On the article I read, he was actually in the
0: middle of making a film and he had to leave filming uh, when he got COVID because he got pretty sick. And then I don't know if there was complications. I didn't know of any other underlying health issues other than, you know, he's blind in his right eye. I don't think that would really affect the COVID, but maybe he had something else that caused the blindness and he was also a pretty big dude, so sometimes the yeah. bigger people have, like, the kind of degenerative
1: diseases. And... Yeah, I don't know. I, it would only be speculation for me. Yeah. But, yeah, that's unfortunate. I know there's been... I've heard a lot of people mentioning that, you know, they've been talking about doing a Last Friday movie for a couple of years now. Now you know, Debo has gone and Pops is gone, so... You know, you wonder if they'll go ahead with that or if that's something that they'll kind of leave leave it as it is.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm going to challenge you to a movie that might not be the easiest to watch. I don't know if it'll be on any of your streamings or not. I can get you the Blu-ray.
1: But uh, I'm going to challenge you to watch The Neon Demon Oh, I've been uh, wanting to see that because you were just raving about that a few years ago. <laughs> it was. It was my favorite from was it 2016, maybe. I wonder if it's on Amazon Prime. I just signed up for a 30-day free trial. Actually, it
0: should be because it's an Amazon Studios film. There you go. It's good timing. I have 30 days to watch it. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's Nicholas
1: Winding Refn joint. <laughs> He was a, he did what driver?
0: He did the, yeah, he did drive. drive. Yeah. Not
1: driver, drive.
0: And then after you watch it you can uh, read my analysis on the website wtmwatchthismovie.com.
1: <laughs> I'll be the first.
0: <laughs> it's been getting quite a few uh, quite a few views actually my uh, analysis on drive has been getting a lot of page views over the last
1: 13 14 months. That's uh pretty good. You know, everybody should go check out our ratings section on the website if you're looking for stuff to watch during quarantine, but never ending quarantine. You can check out our ratings to see how to prioritize your viewing.
0: Indeed. And just like all these articles I'm reading, just because you get the vaccine doesn't mean you can start traveling because you could still get the disease and spread it. <laughs> so what's the fucking point of getting the vaccine?
1: I saw all the all the former presidents are going to take the going to get the vaccine live on television to uh, squash all the uh, reluctance of the the masses as far as taking it, because that'll just kill all those conspiracy theories, (laughs) you know, are going around about it. I know what a
0: vaccine looks like. That is definitely not a placebo.
1: Trump says, I'm not going to go to the front of the line. Well, he's already had it. I mean, I thought he he said he's immune to it. So that's awfully selfless of him. (laughs) Uh, Yep.
0: Even if you get the vaccine, you still got to wear the mask and he's still not supposed to travel as of now.
1: I got a whole new home office here. So uh, I'm digging in for the long run of working from home. So.
0: All right. Well, before we get into spoilers for Beyond the Mat, we can just say that uh, you can follow us on Twitter at WatchThisMovie or Brett at Positively wolf one um, You can email us at WatchThisMovie at yahoo.com. And please rate and review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and many other podcast apps. So, why isn't Jake the Snake Roberts' his dad in jail? <laughs> Why is he still even trying to have a relationship with this? I know it's it's hard to talk about because that's he's had a hard life, and that's his technically that's his family. Yeah, um, that's a good father, question. That's but, a good
1: question. You know,
0: you know, he never got love from his father, yet he's still trying to get it, even though he knows
1: that his dad is a pedophile rapist. Right. And that's, I don't know, like they're from the South. So I don't know what the laws are about, you know, consent, especially back in, you know, he would have been born. I think it was in the, probably in the fifties. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So I don't
0: know, like one of those 12 year old spinsters. Yeah. (laughs) The girl was 12 or 13, I think.
1: I don't know if it's like a Jerry Lee Lewis situation or,
0: (laughs) If it's your cousin, it's okay.
1: (laughs) Although it was his his mother, it was his wife's or his girlfriend's daughter. And I don't know, but it's pretty messed up. And it's, you know, like Jake knows. He says, well, fuck this guy. I'm going to do what he does and I'm going to be better at at it than him. Yeah. And I'm going to rub it in his face. And he says it doesn't fucking help. And you know, Jake was, you know, he was heavy into drugs for a long time. Um, yeah,
0: I had no idea how much tragedy there was in his life. There was not just how he was came to be, but uh, what was it? His mom died right at a young age, or no? It was his? They said his sister was murdered. murdered. That's right, his sister's murdered. And I don't yeah, know. They, he they a... couldn't bring the guy to justice, right?
1: yeah something like that. I think they said he got they they got him for kidnapping, but they couldn't get him for murder because they didn't have the body
0: yeah they just, so there just there was enough blood in the vehicle and all that like they died and I think yeah. there was a head maybe
1: no I don't maybe think a body I'm mixing
0: that up with another story I think I heard recently
1: and I meant to look it up because he had a sister who wrestled who was um uh, and your name was Rock and Robin, was what you wrestled under. He also had a brother named Sam Houston that wrestled. And I don't know if that's if Rock and Robin is the one that got murdered, or if they had a different sister that got killed. But yeah, like that was stunning. Just the relationship with his parents in general, you know? Yeah. You might in- be interested in they did a documentary. About four years ago, four or five years ago, I think it was called the Resurrection of Jake the Snake yep. Roberts.
0: I was going to ask you about that because I remember when that came out, people were raving about it.
1: Yeah, and so it's it's about Jake mostly, and Diamond Dallas Page basically taking him from his lowest point, living alone in the country, you know, hooked on drugs, needing a new hip, being overweight and pulling him out of that and getting him sober enough to go into the WWE hall of fame and do an induction speech and all that stuff. It also has Scott Hall in there who was kind of in a similar situation. Mm. And uh, yeah, I would recommend if you're interested in Jake's story, watching that, Uh, that was really good. But yeah, his story in beyond the mat is really kind of depressing pressing uh considering where he had come from to see him at that point and like like i said he basically got lower than that you know
0: yeah mick foley's um i was very likable i think i told you i saw him throw out the first pitch at a twins game once he had a jersey it said mankind on it It it's pretty sweet (laughs) (laughs) but uh you know it was cool learning more about his uh, family life. I think I'd heard some things about him before that. He's a very personal guy, very, like, he's like a choir boy compared to, like, all the other backstories of a lot of the other wrestlers. Like, he doesn't have a lot of the demons, and he's a very nice guy. He's a family man and yeah, um, tries to do everything the right way. But he might have said the dumbest thing in the documentary. when, <laughs> when he goes, uh, so I got the belt. I got the title. But I'm going to lose it. In the Royal Rumble in, a, in an I Quit match uh, with The Rock. So I thought I'd bring my family out for that. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> repeat repeat what you just said. Say that again. Like, you fucking idiots. <laughs> because he'd already talked about how uh, he'll get phone calls from his uh, like wife maybe crying or like his kids crying. And he has to reassure them that, you know, daddy's okay. Because he yeah. talked about the time when he um, fell through the – the cage and yep. he called from the hospital which i had a question about that so it was confusing because he said it was like yeah you like felt the cage fall through was the cage not supposed to break there no it wasn't oh it wasn't because it looked like it was just perfectly like built that way for it to break away and fall because it didn't it wasn't like it didn't collapsed it was just it was almost yeah. like a door was opened and he just fell and hit the yeah.
1: man so, like if you watch that match, like when they're up on top of the cage, like they went up there at the very beginning of the match, mm-hmm. and as they're walking around, they're just like zip ties just going, just flying all over the place, breaking. Oh, okay. And then they, so like so they, it, they put went it to together with zip ties. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For some reason, yeah, two three hundred <laughs> pounders up there, you know, with just chain link and uh, you know a couple bars. But so they they had planned to you know throw him off onto the the announce table, which was mm-hmm. like two minutes into the match, and then uh, they brought out the stretcher and they they rolled him out and then he gets off the stretcher, gets back up, and so like, I had always heard the story about how it wasn't supposed to break on the second fall, and it wasn't until recently the Undertaker was on. Uh, a show on the WWE network, being interviewed by Steve Austin, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and he said the plan was actually that that section of the page, uh, of the cage wasn't supposed to break off like that. It was supposed to like uh, just kind of sink. So like he was gonna go because he slams into, him into it, right? Yeah, he was supposed to choke slam him on there, and then it was supposed to just kind of start gradually going down. And then eventually they, they'd end up in the cage. But it just snapped and swung open. And so, you know, they had a chair up there too. And the chair came down and hit him right in the face. Knocked him out cold. Knocked his teeth out. And uh, they don't go do it in, go into it in that much detail on beyond the mat. But there's a bunch of other WWE documentaries where, where they talk about that. But what's interesting is, like, Mick Foley left that voicemail for the director after it, you know, from the hospital. Yeah. And he's like totally incoherent. <laughs> hey, Barry, this is Cactus Jack. Did you see my match? <laughs> I think we did a pretty good video. You know. what
0: I remember of it, I don't remember all of it.
1: But like he, uh, you know, they pulled out thumbtacks and he, you know, he got slammed on the thumbtacks and then he said like, after they went to the back, he asked the Undertaker, to, hey, did we pull the thumbtacks out? Did we use those? And he's like, Mick, look at your fucking arm. And he just got tax all up in his arm. <laughs> and then he had to do a run-in on the next match. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this guy's totally out of his mind. <laughs> so, like, you can kind of see be Beyond the Mat, like, he keeps talking about how, like, he's got to keep upping these stunts and the violence. Just to, you know, because he wants to give a good show. He's so concerned about the fans having a good show. Yeah. That, you know, he makes it real. You know, he wants it to look real. And so they they didn't show it, you know, as much in the documentary. But in that match with The Rock, like, I think he took 14 chair shots to the head with his aunt cuffed behind his back. Yeah, and they show maybe like four or five on the documentary. But
0: uh, like, what kind of metal do they use with those chairs? It's just a metal folding. It's just a regular, but they're not. Aren't they lighter or less dense or something like that?
1: I don't know. It might depend on which brand you buy, but you know they're basically just regular chairs.
0: And they teach you to kind of roll with the, roll with the punches, as they say, but kind of roll
1: with the hit with the, from the chair. Well, in that time people were just taking them straight to the head <laughs> you know they didn't give us sh- they didn't know about well, they didn't know about concussions but you know they knew they got concussions but they didn't like take them serious like they do now so like everybody yeah. would just take it straight to the head you know it was like a, a it was like a macho thing to see who could be like the toughest i take, see like the hardest chair.
0: because i would have thought if you know if it, they're taking you know, a real chair, real shots to the head, they would worry about ruining the match by getting knocked out, you
1: know? They take it in the forehead, which is, you know, the hardest part of the head. So I think it's like, you know, it's, quote, safer. But, <laughs> yeah. but it's like, you're less likely to get knocked out, but you're still going to get your bell rung probably. Yeah. But uh And I, you know, The Rock, he was putting some stank on it, but I don't think he was like, going, like, 100%, to be honest. But, like, he just kept going and going. And Mick, you know, he at one point, he starts trying to turn his back. So, like, you know, hit me in the back. And The Rock would wait till he turns around so he could blast him in the fucking head again. (laughs) I thought it was interesting, too. They kind of showed... It looked like they, you know, usually during the match, they would take a blade out and cut themselves. But it almost looked like for that match... Like, they cut Mick Foley's head before, and then they were, like, I don't know if they, like, glued it shut so that it would open up during the match.
0: Yeah, how did it get so big? I was like, "That's a big cut.
1: Yeah. Wide, I, too. So I thought that was pretty interesting. I was um, like, that's
0: not just – that's not a razor, unless they <laughs> –
1: Because I don't remember – it's been a minute since I've seen that match. Because I don't remember when he got cut. If he got cut, like, before he got handcuffed or was after – Because if he got cut after, it would make sense that they would do it backstage, you know, beforehand. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, watching his wife and kids just fucking crying in the audience watching that is, I mean, it's hard to forget that. Yeah, it's pretty horrifying. And then it's funny watching him afterwards, like, I don't feel like such a good dad anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like I will be the guy that pulls the sock out of his pants. Mm Mm-hmm. He only wrestled like a year after that, in the before his first retirement. You know, and they took about five years off, oh, about four years off. Uh, But uh, yeah, Yeah. and then uh, how about Terry Funk? You want to talk about Terry Funk a little bit? Yeah, it's pretty fun watching him. Pride of Roadhouse. I always like that scene at the doctor's office where they're looking at the X-rays of his knees. And uh, the doctor's like, your good knee, you got a little bit, you know, you might be able to last maybe a couple of years. Because
0: you right have a knee, little
1: bit of cartilage,
0: but it's still degenerative and arthritic right here yeah. and
1: here. And the right knee is totally gone. So, uh, so is funny, his, his good knee is like, well, you can live through that
0: pain. You don't have to get it replaced. <laughs> yeah.
1: And the right knee is just bone on bone. Uh, you. You're going to be living in constant pain. It's going to be agony. You should get that replaced. How long do you think I could work on that right knee? Like, you shouldn't be able to do it now. Yeah. <laughs> oh.
0: <laughs> it's, Terry Funk, Funk seemed pretty even keel, too. A little. He's definitely a lot closer to McFoley than Jake the Snake. Yeah. Because he had, like, a good family life from what it looked like. A good support system. And, you know, he really cared about the fans and his – you know giving him a good show so it was, I mean it was kind of hard for him to let it go but um, i mean yeah as he, they kind of say that he did he didn't stay retired too long he didn't. they sh- they show his last match but um I thought it was interesting you know he loses that match and they say you know a lot of the wrestlers prefer to go out on your back as they say yeah so is that true for everyone cuz i remember when the undertaker had his last match uh, a year or two ago, or
1: whatever it was, and he lost. And I was
0: thinking, like, well, you know, they have him lose in their last match.
1: Well, he had his last match this year. It wasn't like a match match, but he won it. Most guys will his lose last WrestleMania, their lives. I think, is what I was thinking of. Well, he was at WrestleMania this year. That was his last. Oh, match. he was. But okay, he lost a couple times at WrestleMania, and then he just came, he ended up coming back. You know, anyways, but. Most guys will lose on their in their last match just because it's the unselfish thing to do to, mm-hmm. to let the other guy get the win because he, he benefits from it going forward versus, you know, you winning and, you know, you never wrestle again. Like, who cares? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I don't know. That was probably Terry Funk's fourth or fifth retirement. And then, like, he... He was back within the, you know, I think they said three months (laughs) he came back. (laughs) But uh, the the scenes with Dennis Stamp and Terry Funk, well, Dennis Stamp.
0: Is that the cockroach guy?
1: Yeah. Those are uh, some of the most popular scenes in the movie of him. uh, I'm not booked. I'm not, I'm not booked. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, who gives a shit about this King of the Cockroaches, dude? Like you know the rules, I'm not booked. And then he's on his trampoline. You know, I don't do
0: tricks. I got He said his last match was like five years ago, but I got to be ready for the next one.
1: I mean, obviously there are longer in between, but you know, I I canceled my plans. It cost me hundred (laughs) seventy five dollars, but I'll be there. It's the main event. Give me fifty bucks, right? So I get half, (laughs) twenty (laughs) five. But yeah, he was, uh, like, people still, you know, do uh, memes and stuff for Dennis Stamp. Okay. I think he died recently, but, like, those scenes are, are really popular. Um, it was funny seeing New Jack on there doing his screen test or whatever, his audition. Yeah. <laughs> he's the next Denzel.
0: Yeah, the one was like, he's next Denzel. The other one was like... Well, he's not the next Denzel, but he's, you know, Denzel's buddy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I can see him as Denzel's
1: buddy. Which I don't think he's gotten any acting jobs, you know. I don't think anybody would take the liability on him. Like, well, he's murdered four people.
0: <laughs> well, sorry, uh, was that uh, self-defense, just, just, justifiable Justifiable
1: homicides? homicide. <laughs> you should watch the Dark Side of the Ring episode on New Jack. It's, it's worth it. Mm. But... Yeah, I'm trying to think uh, what else. I don't know. Anything else you wanted to, to discuss?
0: I think that about covers it. Um, it's kind of fun seeing The Rock so young back
1: when I was kind of watching him wrestle. Yeah. Well, it's interesting him, you know, saying hi to Mick Foley's kids and then going blasting blast yeah. them in the fucking head with a chair.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's the kind of stuff I like, to, you know, that I find interesting. Yeah, the scene stories and the camaraderie they all have. I mean, I'm sure like a lot of, you know, at most jobs, there's people you don't like or get along with, yeah. and I'm sure that's the case in wrestling as well. But from a lot of the stuff I've seen, it seems like most, everyone kind of gets
1: along. Yeah, I think it's, well, now especially, I think more people get along, it's more of a family. But even back then, you know, I, I think it was, especially with the competition between companies, it was kind of like us versus them. Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose you, you, you can't really be fighting with the guy if you're supposed to trust him with with
0: your life basically right thing, doing exactly
1: big you know jumps and moves and and if even if you don't get along like if you're having good matches with a guy like you're gonna be like well i want to work with him because we make you know money
0: <laughs> you know it's worth it who's the guy that lesnar punched uh, years back because uh, he accidentally punched lesnar for real Oh, Braun Strowman. Yeah.
1: Okay. <laughs> Gave him the two-piece. <laughs> so maybe, that's, maybe they didn't get along too well for a little while, but I'm sure. Well, that's kind them. of the thing, too, is, like, if you if you potato somebody, you get a receipt, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot to bring up Vince McMahon in the, doing his uh, uh, pitch to Drozdov. For the puke character, yeah, the puker. He's gonna. He's got. He's gonna puke.
0: When that scene was happening, I'm like, I don't think I ever remember hearing of the puker. <laughs> now I know why, because it didn't really s- stick.
1: Well, they called him puke for a while, but he uh was mostly draws. They mostly just called him draws. But he got it's, it mentions it at the end of the movie. Darren draws off. He got paralyzed in the ring. Yeah, and. uh He's still wheelchair-bound, but okay. it was a freak accident, you know. I don't think it ever made it on TV, though, so it was unfortunate. But the he's-going-to-puke stuff is also very popular <laughs> wrestling fans. Very memorable line.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I like, too, when they ask Vince like to describe what he does, and he's like, We make movies and he takes a sip of water and like chews it. (laughs) 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 And then he just like stares at the guy.
0: Yeah, McMahon does have a bit of an ego on him.
1: He's got a way about him. uh,
0: He's he's determined and he's, you know, made I wouldn't say made something out of nothing, but where it is now, you know, WWE's worth what? $2 $2 billion now, probably three. So,
1: yeah. I, well, I don't know if it's that, it's probably up there. Yeah. I mean, it was a regional promotion and then he went and bought up all the other regional promotions and ran them out of business. Now he's global mm-hmm. and he's, you know, he's the tip top of the industry. And it's basically WWE versus everybody else. And everybody else is, you know, a few steps below. Yeah, at least, but I don't know for better or worse. You know, Vince McMahon kind of runs shit. Yeah, figured he'd be might be kind of seen as,
0: you know, almost like a Mark Zuckerberg type character. You know, Zuckerberg didn't invent social media. You know, MySpace is for Facebook, but he kind of made Facebook what it is now and pushed all the other ones away. And well, now they're probably going to get hit with an antitrust suit and. Might have to be broken up, but, you know, and you could go on for hours and hours about other great smaller promotions that you, you know, still watch to this day and try and get online to see uh, around the world, maybe some different promotions.
1: Hmm. But,
0: you know, Data White to be another comparison, I'm sure.
1: Kind of, yeah. Vince McMahon made it mainstream. You know, it's like lot of the like old school wrestling purists hate Vince because like he turned it into sports entertainment because he saw that you know it's not a legitimate competition. it's like entertainment. So like, we're gonna embrace that to get more people to watch it. you know, more of a variety mm-hmm. show feel with comedy and drama and all this stuff. and then you have the athleticism on top of that. And so like he, he used that and he built it up and uh, that's kind of the standard now. And, you know, other promotions try to keep more of a, you know, old school style, but uh, they, you know, they don't have the, the reach that WWE does.
0: Yep. All right. Well, I think
1: that'll do it.
0: We will check you later. All right, check you later.
1: Bye. Wait, man, why are you always such a
0: dork, man? What are you talking about? Check you later. Check you later. (laughs) Hey, man, you off my case.